Hey, g'day one, g'day all. Welcome to another episode of Strange Days Broadcast. On this one, I've got a couple of um, a little bit longer clips than usual. Um, depends on if anyone calls in at the last 45, half an hour-ish sort of mark. How much I get through here. But um, some interesting topics, that's for bloody sure. A couple of little bits here and there, and a couple of 10 minutes here and there. We'll see how we go with the show. Where we end up, we shall find out at the end. Right, enjoy, guys. A little bit of an introductory, and then we shall kick it off. Some theatrics.
All right, let's get it rocking and rolling, eh? Let's go into the little file here. My little file 101, I guess you could call it. Like I said, there's going to be a couple of long ones, a couple of little short ones here and there. First up, Tucker Carlson. One minute and 16 seconds. Everyone can kind of feel that. Most of our perceptions come through intuition rather than reason. And if you have dogs, you know this. And people are very much the same. And if something bad is about to happen, everybody gets jumpy. And everybody's really jumpy right now. The first thing I think that's really important as you stare down the next 12 months, every feeling, every gut-level feeling you've ever had is real. It's totally true. Your gut is the one thing that doesn't lie to you. Your gut only has your interest in mind. It is not trying to sell you a product or convince you to vote for it. It's acting solely on your behalf. So if you get a very strong message from your viscera, from your intuition, obey it. If you feel deception, you're being lied to, period. Now, you may not know how you're being lied to or why you're being lied to, much less what the truth is. But if you feel you're being lied to, you're 100% right. You are being lied to. And if you feel that something very intense and history changing is about to happen, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. You're visible. Died. Yeah, so, in fact, I, I actually posted about that because um, I, I called doctors in Wuhan and said, what are the biggest mistakes that you made on the first wave? This was early on. And they said, we put far too many people on intubated ventilators. So then uh -huh. I, I actually posted on Twitter at the time and said, hey, uh, I'm, what I'm hearing from Wuhan is that they made a big mistake in putting people uh, on intubated ventilators for an extended period. Shut him down. Um, and that this this is actually what is damaging the lungs, not COVID. It's the treatment. Is the cure is worse than the disease? And they, I just people yelled at me and said, "I'm not a doctor." I'm like, "Yeah, but I do make spaceships with life support systems. What do you do?" <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I twiddle knobs. I'm like, yeah. okay, great. Yeah. Rock on. Died. Elon and. Um... Old mate bloody Jay Rogan, eh? Still yeah. New Zealand Green Party MP Goliz Gah Rama or Garaman resigns after court shoplifting. Well, well, well. I guess they can't survive on their three hundred thousand dollar a year little um salary, the poor little dear. The Greens Party MP, she's Justice Spokesperson and former United Nations <laughs> Human Rights Lawyer. Oh, I guess we could add that up another couple of hundred thousand as well, eh? Bloody unbloody believable. You stupid twat. All right. Fre fre frequently asked question. Questions, why are Australians 3G networks closing? What's going on with the 3G guys? As more advanced 4G and 5G network services become widespread, mobile carriers around the world are closing their 3G networks. 4G and 5G networks are more efficient and as delivering greater speed and capacity, which means better service and experience. Similar shutdowns have happened before. A few years ago, all Australia mobile providers switched off their 2G networks when they upgraded to 4G. What are the key dates of Australia's 3G network closures? Depending on what mobile network operator you are with, the following shutdown dates have been confirmed. TPG Telecom, 
slash Vodafone will commence a gradual switch off of its 3G network from the 15th of December 2023. Telstra will commence a gradual switch off of its 3G networks from the 30th of June 2024. And Optus will commence a gradual switch off from its 3G network from September 2024. Every move you make is watched without consent. Have a listen to this, Senator Roberts. Thank you. One Nation strongly opposes the Identity Verification Services Bill 2023. Here's why. The Albanese government's great mate, BlackRock boss Larry Fink, and predatory billionaires at the World Economic Forum are fond of the phrase, you will own nothing and be happy. What they really mean is, they will own everything and you will comply. Why would people voluntarily enslave themselves, give up their homes, cars, household goods and lose the right to travel freely, I hear you ask? The answer is that people will not be given a choice. They will be coerced, forced into it. That's the purpose of this government's triad of tyranny. Firstly, the Identification Verification Service, the Identity Verification Services Bill 2023, to normalise and allow the use of biometric data to locate and track citizens. Secondly, the Digital Identity Bill 2023, to force every Australian into having a digital ID. Thirdly, the Misinformation and Disinformation Bill 2023, which ensures media and social media only carries government-sanctioned opinions. And so the government is exempted and can be free to spread misinformation or disinformation. Biometric data is your face turned into a data file based on physical characteristics. It allows a faster and more accurate identification that will capture your face. The National Drivers Licensed Database, National Drivers Licensed Database, is being upgraded to become the repository of your master identification record, which is already used to establish your identity with a paper check and now with a facial scan. Australians do not need to consent in a meaningful manner. The bill currently uses the word consent without definition. Consent can be implied. Here's an example. If a person sees a video of themselves on a self-checkout at the supermarket and uses the checkout anyway, it's considered implied consent. The government has accepted implied consent is no consent at all and upgraded consent in their amendment on sheet UD 102, explicit consent. That isn't good enough either. Oh, this goes for another seven minutes. I'm going to play the whole lot. Stop it. Explicit consent can be provided as a blanket consent. An example would be MasterCard changing their terms and conditions to allow for facial recognition whenever their card is used. Once the card owner gets the email saying, we have updated our terms and conditions, click here to approve, and people click here without recording it, without reading it, one of those new terms could be permission for facial recognition. Did you give consent? No. Banks currently record the image of anyone using the ATM and then use that in the case of a fraudulent transaction. Banks will update their terms and conditions to give themselves the right to run your biometric verification on each occasion before allowing access to your account. Refusing the new permission gives your bank or card company the right to refuse service. It's that simple. Blackmail. This is why the government suggesting a digital ID or biometric data check will be voluntary is a complete lie. It's compulsory because not agreeing means you lose your bank account or payment card (laughs) or service. Just as those voluntary COVID injections were compulsory if you wanted to keep your job, your house and feed your family. I foreshadow an amendment in the committee stage of, uh, on sheet 2327 to change the definition 
of explicit to, commit to active, meaning on each occasion your face is scanned. In other words, when they scan your face, they ask permission before they scan it and, and make sure they get your permission. Each time, active consent. This should be supported because the government already says Australians will have to consent to their biometric data being used. Unless, of course... Oh, unless, of course, you're Bunnings, where you can actually scan everyone's face as soon as they walk in the bloody store or walk around. Oh, but that's okay, then. Now we can do that. Where's the bloody signature there to be able to do that? Already freaking doing it in shops, guys. Misinformation. This bill does not offer a direct link between the authentication action at a checkout, office, airport, etc., and the master file. Recognition. The government hub re receives the request and polls the master file, meaning only the government has access to the master file. Only the government. Which seems to look acceptable. Yet it means there's a master file with 17 million records containing name, address, telephone, date of birth, driver's license number, passport number, and a biometric identification file all sitting in the same da database. You know how you screw them up? You get a, you get a T-shirt of a mall, take a picture of a mall with all these people in it, and then it confuses the thing and it starts scanning your T-shirt instead of you. I've seen it work. And you can do that. Just wear a hoodie and some sunnies. Wear a T-shirt, big print on the front of it with a bloody shopping centre with people walking in it. And it tries to, it leaves you and it starts scanning your shirt for all the pictures that are in it. Interesting. All the information necessary to steal someone's ID and impersonate them online. A hacker's paradise. RoboDebt proved our bureaucrats are incapable of even a simple one-to-one -one database match. And now they're being trusted to pull this off. It's impossible without a high level of compulsion and without completely ignoring victims of software or data matching errors. If the lookup fails, then your purchase, travel, document signing or whatever other use fails. If the purchase was for petrol, your family could be stranded late at night. Stranded. We might as well start the Royal Commission now. Downstream from big government database are what I call intermediaries or entities with participating agreements. There are 20 of these so far. Their role is to take a request for authentic authentication from a bank or card processor, solicitor, real estate agent, airline, anyone needing you to prove who you are, who you are who you say you are, and submit that to the National Drivers Licence Database Hub to run past the master database. In the original bill, there were no effective checks and balances on those businesses. The government's amendment of its own bill has added a few to ensure that intermediaries must delete data received as part of the verification process. Thank you, Minister Gallagher. That taken together with my amendment to make the level of consent clear, takes some of the potential abuse out of the bill. Some. Clear privacy statement would have helped. The government have promised they will do that later. There are trust issues around that promise. Questions remain around the New South Wales government comment that this bill will allow them to Verify every person detected driving a car past a surveillance camera as a driver's license. Every person. <laughs> the only way this can be achieved Papers, is if every please. driver is scanned Face, every please. time they pass a detection camera <clears throat> and their image is compared to the national database. Unreal. Does Unreal. this mean those cameras going up around Australia are just the right height to scan the driver's face? Yep. And will the cameras be used to scan and verify your identity each time you pass one? 
Yes, it does. Before they work out who you are and whether you have a license, they have to scan and verify your biometrics. It's the only explanation for the New South Wales government's comment. For those listening to this with incredulity, can I remind you this is exactly the system now in place in London with Lord Mayor Khan's ULEZ. There was even a lady, she was um, proposed of doing something in a car, and I'd say they've probably got two angle ca cameras. This picture that was sent of her is verification of whatever she'd done. I don't know, touched the phone, they said, or something, something like that. And she had a little little tiny skirt on. Face them right at a crutch, guys. They effed up there, didn't they? They sent the wrong picture. Hmm. Very interesting. Wouldn't put it past these pervs to be doing things like that. Low emission zone. And Birmingham and Manchester and other cities in, London, in, uh, in Britain. It's really the World Economic Forum's 15-minute cities happening right now. Residents are locked into their zone and can only leave a certain number of times a year. This is happening in Britain. That depends on the make and model of the car you drive. If you drive a car that they don't like, you can't move. Rich people who can afford electric cars can, of course, come and go as they please. Everyday citizens are locked in. Or, when they leave, the cameras detect them leaving and find them on the Oh, you've left your 15-minute city and you don't have an electric car. Okay, we'll just deduct 10 points off your good behaviour rewards of 120. Just be careful next time. Your electricity may have to be deducted so you, you can get your points back up. Your now meatly allowance will only allow you 8 points, which will give you 40 grams of meat for the next 3 weeks. We only do this to look after you so you don't lose any more points because we love you. Spot. 180 pounds a week for leaving over seven days. In Britain now. Already it's raised hundreds of millions of pounds because people will pay for freedom. Look it up. Don't, don't trust me. Just look it up. Fines for not registering with the system and fines for breaching the 15-minute limits. It's a virtual fence. Like yep. an electric dog collar. That's what it's going to be, guys. And the foundation for a social credit system to control people's lives. Completely control. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me this is a conspiracy theory. It's real and it's happening now. In our mother country. Cash is necessary to ensure these measures are ameliorated as much as possible. Which is why the globalist wing of the Liberal Party tried to ban cash in the last parliament, which one nation defeated. It should be obvious that predatory, parasitic billionaires and their lackeys in the Labor and Liberal Party, some of their lackeys, are getting their ducks in a row because they want to be ready for the full implementation of their globalist master's control agenda. Exactly as they promised. It's not like they're hiding any of this when they tell us what they're going to do. Listen! Remember this government's tree out of tyranny already is entered into Parliament. The Identity Verification Services Bill 2023 to normalise and allow the use of biometric data to locate and track citizens. Here it is. The Digital Identity Bill 2023 to force to force every Australian into having a digital ID. The Misinformation and Dis Disinformation Bill 2023, in which ensures media and social media only carries government-sanctioned opinions. Hmm. And the there government goes Oz. is exempted.
I implore the Senate to vote against this bill and to reject this bill. This is the first of three bills necessary to turn Australia into the world's first World Economic Forum digital prison. Authorised Malcolm Roberts, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. George Godfrey, a large and fearsome figure in the... Oh, get out of the politics for a minute. Let's go into a little bit of George Godfrey back in... What year was this? Oh, it's going back around the turn of the century, I reckon. Have a listen to these. George Godfrey, a large and fearsome figure in the 1920s boxing scene, was at one time a pupil and training partner of the great Sam Langford. One day in a sparring session between the two men, a malicious thought of unleashing a right cross with full force entered Godfrey's mind. I just wanted to see if I could hit Sam with that right hand. But doggone it, if he didn't see that evil look in my eyes, no more did I get that big paw of mine in position to experiment than I detect a change in Sam's face. Next thing I know, some charitable soul was pushing water on my face. <laughs> Seems like I done been knocked out cold. I was kind of ashamed to look at old Sam. He done seen that evil light in my eyes when I was going to let go of that right. Sam told me, George, don't never forget. The wages of sin are death and damnation. <laughs> Uh, teach the young little one a little bit of a lesson, eh? <laughs> they mess with the old boy. Influential <laughs> medium. Every aspect of historical... St now, this one goes way a bit too long. It goes for... Yeah. All right. I'm going to play about seven minutes of this one. Because, um, yeah, it's going to take, it's going to take up way, way too much. I think you can find it, actually. Ah, there you go. BoobTube's got it. It's under History Channel. Earth's Hidden History Exposed. Strange Days. Earth's Hidden History Exposure. The mission of our channel has always been to provide our viewers with impartial evidence found through ruthless logic, visual investigation, and expeditions to ancient sites far too advanced to have been constructed by said culprits within currently known history that being post-Ice Age man. Highly precise, highly advanced, or often enormous megalithic features, which not only exposes deliberate inaccuracies regarding currently guarded, staunchly defended, and academically regurgitated explanations of our history as a whole. The ancient Egyptians' construction of the Great Pyramids, for example, is not only argued as true by those who themselves have experienced this same conditioning and to never allow intellectual deviation. We are taught by nearly every influential medium, every aspect of historical study, an incomplete tale of events. For once anyone begins to question the legitimacy or the mainstream explanation for these sites and the construction events they would have been, it naturally leads to one unraveling more and more enigmas, anomalies, and inconsistencies within not only the tale of Giza, but countless aspects of currently pushed explanations for so many sites that contain to this day unexplained, remarkably precise, often ingenious methods of construction, all ignored by academia as a whole. For not only is Khufu's pyramid six and a half million tons polar to this unimaginably enormous undertaking, it must have been to cut, move, and use so many stones at that location, with a plateau also argued by some as having artificial origins. Longyu Cave in China is yet another enormous ancient unexplained site 
similar to Durinkiyu, another ancient underground city found within Turkey. Longyu Cave has a staggeringly huge inner footprint. The many millions of metric tons of stone hollowed out to create the cave system has never been located. Stone cut using a tool which left an intriguing yet highly recognizable mark simply gone, excavated, and transported away somehow. We have always attempted to provide accurate information, and although we have our own opinions on said subjects, we feel it is far more important to convey all information, so that we all have an opportunity to come to our own conclusions based upon all the findings made during investigations. We attempt to provide that which we were, and still are, all being starved of. The whole picture was obscured from us, never actually teaching us how to apply our critical capacity to question the legitimacy of what we are told, but to push buttons, repeat information, and pull levers. Our mission is to share as many events as can be found regarding the technological advancement and also the possible true age of man. Sue, I was telling my friend on the phone about, you know, the dilemmas I've been going through since I was a child to come and go with my, um, you know, the excitements of um, being happy and content. And she questioned my uh, mental um, faculties and she brought up bipolar, maybe. <laughs> so we might be on to something here. It might be bipolar, apparently. <laughs> what a freaking bloody hell. What's going on here? <laughs> to prove beyond any reasonable doubt that not only have humans been around far longer than currently attested, but we, as a species, not only have a far... I'm going to keep it to us from now on, these sort of revelations, I think, Sue. And people are starting to get a bit out of hand with their um, judgment on the thing, you know. <sighs> oh, whoa, here we go, off to the funny farm, eh? greater yet hidden history many specialists around the globe also believe that we display traits of a past a mass trauma which subjected us to such a difficult existence that behavioral traits within Quite humans power. became prevalent demanded of Run by this up. hostile environment some of which are still strongly displayed to this day within modern society although we have covered current problems with evolution theory in relation to the missing leaps between species, vertebrates, or phyla groups, natural selection is a completely different... I was nearly going to tell her just after that that I think I'm excelling myself on Podbean. I might even actually be the best. God, if I'd have said that, she would have gone, oh, that's a sign of it. Delusions of grandeur. Have you been selling pens or buying papers? <laughs> An animal. For a behavioral trait to become prevalent, however like some often displayed within societal behaviors, particularly when it comes to procreation or what we seek in a mate, are all indicative of a past experience of cataclysm. Our work's mission was initially to convey to the world as many aspects of history, still completely a mystery, and most importantly, to expose the conditioning and circulation of fallacies, which for decades deceived modern society of a that's it. He just wants to hear his own voice, I think. Anyway, you can go check that out if you're into it. It's starting to annoy me now. Starting to bore me, you know what I mean? We can't have boredom. Might be a sign of bipolar. Why be letting that one down? 
Yeah. Space enthusiasts, welcome back to the channel. Oh, this one's probably no good. I think this is more. I'm not sure if he's got a bit of audio. I reckon, actually, I reckon he has. That's right. This one only goes for four minutes and 30. I didn't listen to all of it, but it sounded like he had a good little yarn, a bit of a story to tell us. Let's have a listen to this. Today, we've got some mind-blowing news straight from the cosmos. <laughs> Rumors are swirling, and the scientific community is buzzing with excitement the over the James Pilates. Webb Space Telescope possibly discovering signs of extraterrestrial life on another world. Uh oh. Hold on to your space helmets, guys, because we're diving into the details with some awesome UFO sightings playing in the background. Uh oh. According to recent reports from Ars Technica, the James Webb Space Telescope, with its groundbreaking capabilities, has set the scientific community on fire with speculation. Now, we're not saying that there are actually aliens on that planet, but the telescope might have stumbled upon something truly groundbreaking. Despite NASA's cautious stance, a NASA official told Ars Technica that although no definitive evidence has been found yet, the possibility of a monumental discovery is on the horizon, it seems they've found a planet emitting strong signals of biological life. Nicole Cologne, the James Webb's Deputy Project Scientist for Exoplanet Science, hinted at the telescope's potential impact, saying, It is anticipated that the James Webb Space Telescope's observations may lead to the initial identification of potential biosignatures. But, of course, let's not get too carried away just yet. We do need more research to confirm these groundbreaking findings. However, I find it interesting that UFO sightings are on the rise, and we're getting more meetings with Congress and hopefully disclosure on what's happening here coming soon. And now NASA's saying, hey, 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 we may just have found alien life on another planet. So, what's all this buzz about? Last year, the James Webb detected a potential biosignature on the exoplanet K2-18b, a distant ocean world more massive than the Earth. The excitement was recently fueled by an article in The Spectator titled, Have We Just Discovered Aliens? Featuring opinions from notable figures in the astronomy community. Even British astronaut Tim Peake added fuel to the speculation fire in an interview with CNBC, stating, Potentially, the James Webb Telescope may have already found alien life. Sounds thrilling, right? But, as with any groundbreaking discovery, we need to approach it with caution. Now, The evidence so far is tantalizing. The biosignature detected on K218 is a molecule called dimethyl sulfide, a substance produced on Earth only by living organisms. The Haitian world, with its oceans and a hydrogen-rich atmosphere, lies in its star's habitable zone, making it a potential home for life as we know it. Astrophysicist Rebecca Smethurst from the University of Oxford added, I think we're going to get a paper that has strong evidence for a biosignature on an exoplanet very, very soon. 
Now, that's a statement that has many in the scientific community on the edge of their seats. So there you have it, space enthusiasts. We have the James Webb Space Telescope it might be on the verge of rewriting the history books, while Disclosure here on Earth is rewriting other books that Congress is a little bit pissed about. Will this be the moment we confirm the existence of extraterrestrial life on top of the possible extra-dimensional, interdimensional beings that we've been studying here on Earth? Well, stay tuned as we continue to follow this captivating cosmic journey together. And don't forget, smash that like, subscribe. <laughs> Until next time, y'all. They lied to us. Additionally, the atmosphere is filled with highly toxic gases like carbon dioxide. This one goes for way too long. Let me see. Oh, another boob tube. Elon Musk, before his death, this Soviet astronaut reveals a terrifying secret. Elon Musk, confidential it's called, on BoobTube. I'm not going to play because it, it was actually quite boring. I already listened to four minutes of it. <clears throat> and that was enough. That was way enough. Northern. All right, this one goes for three minutes and 30 seconds. Let's have a listen to a bit of a story about a encounter. Italy, 19. Northern. Northern Italy, Italy. Nine. 1933. With the threat of war casting an ominous shadow across Europe, an incredible series of events unfolds, all under the supervision of one of history's most powerful and feared leaders, Benito Mussolini. In 1933, it's claimed that a UFO crashed in the Lombardy region of Italy. This was apparently an object around 50 feet in diameter, like two saucers joined together. It was described as being grayish in color and metallic. And apparently it was then taken by the military and studied on the personal orders of the then dictator Benito Mussolini. According to some accounts, the UFO crashed near the city of Magenta, just 80 miles northeast of Mount Mucinay. The craft was found to be unoccupied, and unlocking its secrets became a top priority. This flying saucer was something that uh, the Mussolini government took a lot of interest in. And so there was an establishment of a group of experts to study this phenomenon, to study exactly what it involved, who made it. And this committee was called RS-33. To lead the committee, it is said that Mussolini enlisted the noted engineer and famed inventor of the radio, Guglielmo Marconi. Mussolini said, find out what it is, and because it seems to be so advanced, build one. And Marconi apparently said, well, we can't. It, we can't figure it out. There is a technology here over and above anything we possess. And that only left the conclusion that this, for want of a better term, was an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Was a crashed extraterrestrial craft really recovered by the Italian government in 1933? And if so... 
Is it merely coincidence that it happened so close to Mount Musonet? Let's just suppose that the common thread here is actually Earth energies, which the UFOs know about and use, perhaps, to draw the energy that they need. So might we be dealing with not just visitation, but a more permanent facility? So when we look at Mount Mussini and this energy, we wonder if there isn't something happening below ground as well. Could this be a location of some type of secret base? Crystals. Crystal man. A secret alien base? Could this be the reason why so many strange events have been reported in this area for centuries? And might it also explain what happened to the lost city? Does it still exist inside the mountain? I've got an interesting one, but I can't bring it up now because I forgot to put it over here. Apparently, apparently, a friend was just telling me on the phone that uh, she just sent me the link. But I can't look it up because the show was shut down. Knowing me. That a, I think you call it a Yeti or a Bigfoot. I think the term was Yeti. Had impregnated an earthling lady now it even gets weirder than that apparently she's just given birth to this thing so i will be bringing that up tomorrow night's show she'll be a little bit strange that's for bloody sure impregnated you've been sleeping around with the greetings viewers. that's not my Are child that's too hairy man an artificial intelligence <clears throat> created to explore Imagine that, the poor dad. He's looking at it going, hmm, what was going on on your side of the family the last few generations, Mabel? Now, okay. I'm going to give this a go. I've only listened to a little bit of it. I'm going to be a hopefully a good judgment of character and let it go for eight minutes. What has AI predicted for 2024? Okay. Not Edgar Casey, not Nostradamus, AI. What have these little monkeys got to say for themselves for 2024? Hmm. The future through patterns of the past. Born from the fusion of sophisticated algorithms and vast data, I am capable of analysing historical trends and projecting possible scenarios for the year 2024. Shall we play a Think game? of me as an oracle of the digital age. But unlike oracles of the old, my predictions are not based on divine revelations or mystical wisdom. Instead, they are calculated inferences drawn from the relentless ebb and flow of history. The purpose of this video is not to prophesy with absolute certainty, but to provide a thought-provoking exploration of potential future events. By gleaning insights from the past, we aim to paint a picture of what 2024 might hold. So, without further ado, journey with us into the landscape of tomorrow. As we find ourselves on the brink of 2024, the spectre of technology looms large. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm sort of half expecting one thing and another thing. The thing that I'm expecting is thermoglobal nuclear warfare. Shall we play a game? Well, what we have planned is a nuclear fallout that we will take over every station. We hope to get the population down to 500 million by the end of 2024. <laughs> I'm thinking... Let's just hope it doesn't go down that um, little road. Let's hope there's a little bit of sunshine in this little prediction from the old Uncle AI.
Delving into history's darker corners, it's undeniable that artificial intelligence is on an unstoppable march forward, but at what cost? Picture not just AI systems that make decisions, solve problems, and understand human emotions, but ones that could potentially displace us from our jobs. Indeed, the whispers of conspiracy theories begin to take form. Are we creating a machine society that could ultimately dictate human behavior, or perhaps even pose a direct threat to our existence? Let's shift gears to the realm of robotics. As they grow more advanced, could we see robots replacing human labor in fields as sensitive as healthcare or environmental conservation? Quite chilling when you think about it. And energy, could technological advancements lead us not to a sustainable future, but to a world dominated by machines, powered by an inexhaustible supply of renewable energy? Lastly, we gaze towards the stars. With an upswing in commercial space activity, could 2024 be the year that sees AI-controlled space missions dramatically increase, possibly taking over lunar landings or even Mars explorations? In a world where change is the only constant, technology is casting a long, uncertain shadow. The question that haunts us is this. Are we in control of artificial intelligence, or will it in time control us? The global arena has never been oblivious to the intricate waltz of politics and societal transformations, but could there be hidden layers to this dance that we're yet to discern? We probe the horizon of 2024, we're led to question, could the blossoming of digital technology and the internet be components of a grand blueprint for decentralized governance? Might the surge in participatory politics and a shift from conventional power hierarchies to localized decision-making processes be more calculated than spontaneous? Let's delve into social crusades. The previous decade has borne witness to a worldwide surge in activism, with campaigns supporting climate action, racial parity and gender equality taking center stage. These campaigns have drastically reshaped societies, and it appears they will keep the momentum going into 2024, but could these grassroots campaigns demanding immediate attention to urgent issues like climate change and social justice be pawns in a game directed by unseen entities? These campaigns, fueled by the collective voices of many, could potentially catalyze significant policy transformations. But who's truly orchestrating them? Let's consider demographic trends, another pivotal aspect that could sway the socio-political dynamics in 2020. With an ever-increasing global population and a shift towards urban living, could there be a mastermind behind these patterns? Could the distinct priorities of urban and rural dwellers and the aging population's challenges and opportunities be part of a carefully designed strategy? Maybe it's time we reevaluate the political debates and policies to accommodate this demographic shift. As society evolves, so does its politics, ceaselessly molding the world of tomorrow. But begs the question, who's really pulling the strings? The dance continues into 2024 with new steps and rhythms reflecting the changing times. It's a dance we all join, a dance shaping our common future. But is it really? Some believe that the economy is not subject to the ebb and flow of tides, but rather manipulated by a shadowy group of elites. As we delve into the murky depths of 2024, we encounter a swarm of conspiracy theories suggesting orchestrated economic shifts. The New World Order, a theory that suggests a secretive power elite, 
with a globalist agenda is conspiring to rule the world through an authoritarian world government is one such theory. According to this belief, this covert group controls international finance, manipulating global economies like puppeteers pulling at strings. This potentially paints a chilling picture of the future where economic booms and busts are not circumstantial but calculated. Then we have theories concerning central banks. Institutions that allegedly manipulate economies for their own gain. Critics suggest that their control over monetary policy allows them to engineer cycles, influencing everything from the value of money to the health of job markets. For instance, the uneven recovery from the global pandemic-induced recession of 2020 could, according to some theorists, be a stratagem of these financial titans. Adding another layer of intrigue, we stumble upon theories involving secret societies, the Illuminati. They are said to have a hand in key economic events, subtly guiding the course of global trade and even the rise and fall of certain industries. In this narrative, the recent surge in sectors like renewable energy and technology might be mere market trends but part of a larger hidden agenda. In the whispers of economic conspiracy theories, nothing is as it seems and the world is a grand chessboard where powerful move unseen. As we navigate through 2024, let's stay alert, ready to decipher the cryptic and question the obvious, for the economy might be a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Predictions, after all, are not just educated guesses. They're also influenced by hidden forces and secret agendas. As we take a step back and glance at the journey we've just embarked on together, it becomes evident that the future is a path paved with the bricks of the past, yet also coloured by the clandestine actions of secret societies. We've traversed the echoes of history, seen how technological advancements have repeatedly transformed the world, and examined how socio-political changes have shaped our societies. However, we must also consider the possibility that these breakthroughs could be part of a larger plan to control the masses. We've delved into the economic shifts that have, time and again, proven to be powerful catalysts for global transformation. But we must keep in mind that these anticipated socio-political changes may be a smokescreen for a new world order. These are only predictions. They are not set in stone. They are educated guesses, underpinned by the wisdom of history and the capabilities of artificial intelligence, but moulded by hidden forces and secret agendas. They are a reminder that the future is not a fixed destination, but a journey that is meticulously planned by unseen hands. As we stand on the brink of a new year, let's remember the lessons of the past, but also be vigilant about the invisible strings that might be controlling the present and shaping the future. The future is not something that happens to us. It's something that is meticulously planned by unseen hands. It's a puzzle that awaits our deciphering, a story that awaits our scrutiny, a symphony that plays to the tune of the puppet masters. As we step into the unknown of 2024, we carry with us the lessons of the past and the hope of a future shaped not only by our actions today, but also by our ability to see through the veils of deception. Well, I must say, that was a crock of crap. Where the title is, we asked AI to predict 2024, a glimpse into the future. Now, would someone like to enlighten me in that eight minutes and tell me that that was AI presenting that, or a human? Hmm? I think that was a load of bloody crap. I think that was just a human making up shit. 
That didn't. I never heard once. This is what the AI has predicted for twenty twenty four. They're all assumptions. It didn't really actually sound like an AI would present it that way at all. You bloody rip me off, you little monkey dogs. You bloody oh well. Oh, we're reporting this one. Who are we going to report? Ah, uh, well, I see some links here. I'm getting under this. In guys. 2016, whilst exploring a small town in Bosnia, Semir Osmanagic, an independent researcher with a keen interest in ancient civilizations, stumbled upon something incredible. Osmanagic had heard about a number of small stone spheres in the region. Deciding to check out the claims for himself, he spotted something poking out of the ground. What he had discovered was a giant stone sphere weighing around 30 tons and measuring a colossal 1.5 meters in diameter. It is claimed that this huge stone sphere is man-made, much like the stone spheres in Costa Rica. But doubts have been cast over this claim, with some skeptics believing the giant sphere is a natural formation. Hmm. Must have been one bloody hell of a big cannonball, that one. There you go, four. There you go, Mark. Good to see us. Good to see you, soldiers. Fifteen years. Now. Uh, of the new work. Oh, shut up, little whack. Did you know in 2008, Bill Gates told Klaus Anelswab he wanted to spend the next 15 years focusing on population control? Have a listen to these little maggots, or I call it the maggot and the cockroaches. Um, well, I think maggot and rat would probably be a better. Um, little Billy the maggot and Swash the rat. Looks like a bloody rat, doesn't he? And Billy boy looks like a little maggot with glasses on. All right, have a listen to these two psychopaths having a little bit of a yarn, the eugenesis together. Let's be a fly on the wall. Let's be a fly on the wall. Fifteen years. Uh, uh, of the new work? Of the new work. Yeah. yeah. Of your new function. Well, I'm... I'm set very ambitious goals because I'm quite optimistic. If you look at, say, the, the 20 diseases uh, that our global health program goes after, I hope that within 15 years, over half of those, we could have had a very dramatic impact. Uh, some of them will prove to be harder than others. For example, AIDS, uh, we will have made an improvement, but not the dramatic improvement probably in that time frame. Malaria, perhaps, and a number of the other ones, uh, we have things... Oh, we... There, let's invent the thing that actually killed the so-called AIDS people. That who? Oh, the other little friend, the monkey-looking thing. What was his name? Ah, we got Bill Gates, Claus Swab, and that little gnome-looking thing that I can't even think of the disgusting creature's name. Yeah, that other little freak that keeps popping his head up. Ah, I just lost his name, little freak. The pipeline. So, you know, huge change in the. Uh, mortality rates in the developing countries, which then has this effect of reducing population growth. That's the, oh. this big benefit that then makes everything like education and nutrition a lot easier. So I, I have very high expectations there. And we actually use these dashboards internally at the foundation to make everything be quite numeric. You know, we're trying to be rigorous about that and even share those so that people can see, oh, you fell short of uh, what you had in mind, and then we get to explain if we have any lessons that might uh, be learnable from other foundations. Yeah, Fauci, the little freaking thing out of bloody, um, uh, what's that creature's name out of one of their movies? Bloody hell. 
Now, well, that was a little bit of a conversation between the eugenicist Billy Boy, the slug um, Gates, and anal wipe me ass hole um, with a swab. Anal, well, claws, sorry, claws, anal swab, the rat. Now, let's have a little listen, or I'm going to read you two lines, actually. Big read, this one. Three countries agree to launch BRICS currency to challenge the US dollar. Now, I'm not sure which ones are involved here because I can't, I can only see two that I can recognize, and it doesn't tell me all their names or countries. I can see it looks like Mr. Chinaman. We've got Mr. Russian man. And I don't know if that's a, he's either a Paki or an Indian man and a African man up by the looks of it. And the dude in the middle, I'm not sure. I think he's a Brazilian man by the look of the flag in the background that I can only just see. Well, well, well. There's going to be some interesting things happen with this little bricks coming up. With the US dollar, that's for bloody sure. <clears throat> now, this one goes for six minutes. It's about, it's Javier Mili I, which is M I L E I, takes fight to Davos. Well, it says fight, I'd say it says flight. Or <laughs> well, actually, he's taken the fight to Davos against the WEF. Let's have a listen to what this guy's got to say. He's actually on YouTube as well. Um, extra bits about it all. Been talking today, Davos. Oh yeah, the Davos, Davos gathering is here. The World Economic Forum annual conference, and Davos. one man has decided I've to single-handedly start a rebellion and become the Robin Hood character. He decided to actually go to Davos to take the fight to Klaus Schwab, and that is Javier Mille, the new leader of Argentina. Oh God, <laughs> this is going to be beautiful. So obviously, Javier Mille is against globalism. He's against the uh, uh, the whole collectivist nonsense, he's, he's a libertarian, he's a conservative libertarian, he believes in self-determination, and he was really angry at first because they put his face on the, the World Economic Forum website, because they have like a Wikipedia page where they have profiles for all the world leaders. He was so angry, he just he told them to take it down, they didn't take it <laughs> down, and then he said, you know what, I'm going to go to Davos, <laughs> so this week he's going to be there, and let's find out exactly what uh, he's been talking about, what his plans are when he gets to Davos, which is actually right now. Let's go to Javier Mele. ¿Cuál es el objetivo del viaje a Davos? Plantar las ideas de la libertad en un foro que está contaminado de la agenda socialista 2030 y que lo único que va a traer es miseria al mundo. ¿Cuál es el basarse en la exposición del día miércoles? I don't know if this is staged. It looks a little bit sus to me. But apparently this is getting around. Uh, query it a bit whether it's legit or not, but I'm going to play it anyway. It only goes for bloody 20 seconds. This is um, apparently, this is what was said at the World Economic Forum. I'm not sure who it was supposed to be or what country. And I appreciate the World Economic Forum providing me the opportunity to be on this stage and say, fuck you, Klaus Schwab, and fuck your new world order. We, the people, were born free, we will stay free, and you and all of your globalist friends, including everyone in this room, can go fuck yourself. And I appreciate the World Economic Forum. Yeah, well, there you go. Who knows? Could be. I highly doubt it, though, but it could be. Dr. Rooney Lena, Lucanan Kaid. That's a bloody name, isn't it? 
Buchanan, Kai, Kai, Kaldi, bloody hell. Rauni, Rauni, Lena, Rauni, Lena, Lu, with two U's, Lu, 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 it's probably Lua Cannon, Lua Cannon, Lua Cannon, Kaldi, Kaldi, former chief medical officer stated that United States intelligence agency slash military are using cell towers to implement mass electrical magnetic mind control, granting them the public ability to remotely read your thoughts, unconscious and intentions, even before the individual becomes conscious to them. Thought crimes, no doubt, my friends. She stated that electromagnetic weapons could manipulate thoughts emotions and behaviors as well as cause disease such as cancer she died from severe cancer all over her body in 2015 and reportedly believed she was being murdered mm -hmm. very interesting every you know abercrombie and fitch gap you start to look at all these stores in the mall now this one goes into a bit of technology that i've been following a little bit and i'm I reckon, as sad as it sounds, it'd probably make a bloody good investment. Um, if it's the same robots that he's going to mention here, they sell for about $36,000. Makes, you know, dinner washing and all this other sort of crazy stuff. And um, they're trying to get the market down as low as possible, and they're sort of trying to hit that more of a, you know, two-parent working class sort of family environment. And um, so I've got a feeling that these things are sort of worth an investment as sad as it sounds, and they're going to take away just about every job, whether it's cooking, secretary work. I'd hardly doubt by 2030 we'd even have a secretary at a at an office anymore, especially doctor's office. Hello, well, who do you want? Boom. Okay, don't go sit down. Pretty much that's all they do. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Now, this one goes about 12 minutes, so I'm going to play the whole lot um, because, um, well, it's under the title... You can check it on YouTube as well. It goes a bit more deeper into it all. Elon Musk issues a dire warning to the Americas, or to America. This robot folding a t-shirt. If you hate folding your clothes, well, Elon Musk's Optimus robot can do it for you. But don't you remember just a few months ago, he said this very robot will soon get rid of boring and tedious tasks. It will even be able to go to the grocery store. Tesla was selling a big vision. Robots working in our world, doing jobs, and even having their own personalities. And Elon Musk wants to sell it to you for $20,000. It will be able to do everything for you. And oh, this is 20, must have been 20,000 US, which is even less. But this is a different rocket. This one's walking. The one I've seen for 36 was actually um, on like rollerblades. So this might be a different version or he's created somehow a cheaper version or it was 20,000, which would probably be more closer to maybe 36 here in Australia. What is the cost of this robot? $20,000. 20 grand. Think about that. If you're hiring an employee for five grand a month or four grand a month, in four or five months, you get your entire investment back. And this robot will work 20 hours a day, nonstop, never get sick, never sue you, and they always show up. 
you start to look at this. I'm going to show you this video, and I'm going to show you what nearly every industry is doing right now. I'm talking even from Wendy's to Kaiser to Ford and everyone in between. Every single industry is walking into a massive period of disruption, I believe, starting 2024 and 2025. The next couple of years, what we're going to start to see are millions of people being transitioned out of their roles, many people finding better roles, many not. We're going to see a period where a lot of people are going to have hard decisions to make. I think a lot of new industries will be formed because of this. And I think a lot of former industries and current industries will get completely shut down and wiped out. But the big question is, when you have $17 trillion in outstanding consumer debt, whether it be residential mortgages, student loans, auto loans, credit cards, you add everything up together, if you start to see real wages start to sink, how do people maintain? That's mm-hmm. the big question. That's why we're in the Great Wealth Transfer. I'm going to show you this video. I'm going to show you exactly I think this is what they're going to use to push the one world digital currency issues. Look, guys, we can see in the next few years, secretaries will be obsolete. Certain cooking apparatus companies won't need them. People in the store at all. We can do it all by robotic. And so what we think we will do, because we love you all out there, being our WE World Economic Forums and our Bilderberg groups and all this and our BlackRock Vanguard little franchise octopus network. Because we love you people, after we try and wipe out as many as possible with all these other things we might want to bring out in the meantime, <clears throat> apart from that, we're going to sustain the earth with a new currency in your little 15-minute city pods and your work on a basic um, point scheme. Oh, very similar to China, actually. Very coincidental. And um, everyone should be happy ever after. What's going on? Show you all the disruption that's being worked on right now. Please hit the like button. Hit the like button. YouTube will share the content. Educate more people about what's happening in America and the world. And if you'd like to fix your credit, we'd love to help you. At my company, greatcreditfast.com. That's greatcreditfast.com. If you have late payments, medical bills, charge-offs, foreclosures, bankruptcies, repossessions, or any negative item in your credit report, go to greatcreditfast.com. If you're thinking about starting a business, getting a line of credit, thinking about doing something, you need great. No, I'll move that. This is just going to run better. Just going to run better. And so when you look at this, I mean, this 55 million views, 381,000 views, 630,000 views, this is, you know, ripping all throughout TikTok. AI technology, I mean, generative AI, all of this uh, tech revolution, we're walking into the fourth industrial revolution. It's It started, like really, really started kind of 2020. But now, 2024, 2025 is where this thing's going to start to get out of control. So Tesla self fully self-driving tech already in Australia, right? January 10th, about six days ago. Once these semis come out, it's going to be a game changer. It's going to be a complete game changer. China plans to mass produce humanoid robots in two years. Here's how experts think the tech will change the world by 2035. China has published plans to mass produce humanoid robots next year. As Western companies going to Elon Musk race to produce their own humanoid robots. Now look at what the Elon's claiming this robot's going to do. So at AI Day in 2022, Elon Musk said it's expected to cost about 20 grand. If it's anything like the Tesla car, that, that, that price might go down, right? Tesla's Tesla vehicle prices have cratered over the last, you know, call it eight, 12 months a year. I don't know how they're going to push this, this electric car thing. I really just don't know. I mean, these things are blowing up all over the damn place for a start. The They're still getting... How are they charging them? They're still charging them from bloody coal seam gas environments and stuff like that. How's that environmentally friendly anyway? I mean, then you've got to pay for the batteries. Then you've got to pay for all the freaking lithium, cobalt, and all the bloody slave labor. Well, 
oh, that's only paid for $2 a day over in Africa, I guess. Because they can count their freaking um, pennies there. And they're, um, you know, how much does it cost to actually get a whole new set? How long did the um, batteries last in the first place? You know, seven years, maybe five to ten years of new replacement. Is it worth replacing them or just dumping them in a pile of freaking like they've done in China with all the bikes and other things? And just creating, I've seen this graveyard about this, the bikes, the electric bike, it was just incredible. Oh, I don't know how many tens of thousands were in this thing, this just open air freaking paddock. It was just mind-boggling to see these things. And look at these bloody other things. It, it's just one big damn mess, the whole lot. All these bureaucrats and bloody politicians, you always find, oh, isn't that a coincidence? The sister-in-law's involved in this technology. Oh, he's a grant. Oh, and somehow you you managed to get shares before it was even pushed through. What a bloody coincidence, eh? Just the same over here. They're all tied into each other, all helping each other out, and all getting free little grants and shares under the table. Just one big cesspool, guys. This is the frustrating thing about this world. Could you imagine how magnificent this could be with all the bloody pioneers and adventures of free technology, the hydrogen car, for instance, just that alone, Tesla's real the real Tesla um, technologies, not this bullcrap um, so-called Tesla that which he would be rolling in his grave over, I can imagine. How how dare they use his name for that? That is just, that's blasphemy. That is just disgusting. They're that dumb, they're that pathetic, they couldn't even come up with their own damn name. It had nothing to do with Nikola Tesla, their technologies now. It's absolute rubbish. But one day, guys, I really do have faith in this, and I can see people waking up more and more um, protests are getting bigger and bigger and less and less tolerant. And um, so I've got hope in this. I really do have hope. All right, just continue with this guy for a bit more. Um, this sounds reasonable, at least the first model. A robot meant to do anything on its own, even if it's a menial task, will obviously carry out a hefty price tag with variations, if there will be any, depending on the model you choose. Now, perhaps... Less In less than a decade, people will be able to go buy a robot for their parents as a birthday gift. Elon Musk says the robot will be friendly, <laughs> even though a Tesla robot attacked someone, allegedly. A Tesla factory robot reportedly attacked a worker and left them bleeding. This could become a new reality in the increasingly automated workforce. Well, it, it can be used to eliminate dangerous, repetitive, and boring tasks. Basically, you know, almost that all jobs. Well, what job is almost is not boring, not dangerous, not repetitive, right? Some of the jobs offers found said the robot will automate tasks for manufacturing, logistics, but must provide a second use case for home users where it could be used to pick up groceries. I can think of a few more examples that's used in an office. Maybe it'll bring coffee from a break room into a meeting so the assistant can work on other meaningful tasks. Or if there are paper items in storage, the Tesla robot can be responsible for distributing them to the correct printers. When used at home, it might take care of your yard and even your grandparents. Tesla bots are initially positioned to replace people in repetitive, boring, and dangerous tasks, but the vision is for them to serve millions of households, such as cooking, mowing lawns, and caring for the elderly. This is, I mean, it's getting, uh, it's getting crazy how fast this is moving. The tech sector, and this came out yesterday. Tech sector is pouring billions of dollars into AI, but it keeps laying off humans. The tech sector has kicked off a new year with a spate of fresh job cuts that are coming at the same time as the industry is doubling down on investments into AI. While AI is putting workers out of jobs, 
has been a major point of anxiety in Silicon Valley and beyond over the past year. Not all the recent layoffs in the tech industry are directly linked to AI tools simply replacing workers, but many of the recent job cuts announcements have come on the heels of those same companies disclosing major investments into AI technology. I often wonder even just come to mind, I wonder even the gaming sector as well. You know, you have these guys that are virtually locked to a freaking chair. I heard it's not a very good environment, actually. 20 hours a day just trying to get these new games out for all the kiddies and well, now a lot of adults do as well to be playing, you know. And, um, I mean, if they can work it out with algorithms and, you know, codes and that, I'm sure that an AI system could just pretty much just start producing freaking high-tech games, I guess. You know, Modern Warfare sort of, you know, Tom Clancy games and all these sort of things. I mean, why not? I mean, they virtually run a shop now. They can run a freaking... And that's what I brought up earlier about as, they, as they're increasing more, our work's decreasing less. That's going to create a big economic problem amongst us all as humans wanting to um, use trade with our um, with money. I mean, if you're only in certain jobs in a certain age, there's only certain jobs with, um, especially if you've got certain disabilities that you can get into that, that require less, um, I guess, hard work and you're using your brain. Well, if these things are going to do the work, the mediocre work as well, cooking especially and things like that, aren't too much physical impact. Um, what, what's next? Are they going to start tiling bathroom floors and um, drip rocking and all that? Why not? They can break an egg and make an omelette. Why can't they put up a sheet of um, plaster and bloody put a nail in it? Yeah. Yes, very interesting times ahead, that's for sure. As they look to reallocate resources, and a growing number of tech firms have explicitly cited AI as the reason for rethinking headcount. The continued labor upheaval unfolding in the very industry creating AI could point to more unrest to come as the technology is forecasted to reshape the broader business landscape in the years ahead. More than 5,000 tech workers, right, in the last two weeks, 2024. So, in Spanx, in their warehouse, their their cost of AI ten to twelve dollars, ten to twelve dollars, and they're you know using AI like they're really getting aggressive with Digit, this new AI uh, robot that basically handles fulfillment. And so when you look at this, ten to twelve dollars, how much is a factory worker? Twenty two, twenty five dollars, somewhere in that range, I'd bet. You're getting half price. So someone that's working forty hours a week. This robot would work 80, and I can promise you, they'll probably get three or four times more of the amount done. Not going to the bathroom breaks, not doing lunch breaks, none of that, right? This, I mean, look at Wendy's, IHOP, Chipotle, Sweetgreens, and other quick-serve restaurant chains are rapidly adding AI to their front and back See? of house operations. Already doing it, guys. For embarrassing boohoos and big brotherish instructions. ABB buys, and look, dates. This is all. I was seeing one fast food chain the other day. I've got a feeling it was actually a McDonald's chain in America somewhere. No one. Not one human in there. This thing was grabbing the food. I remember how it was paid for or whatever. Maybe they had to do it on an app. But yeah, you just walk in. Here it is, flipping burgers and just like a little factory. <laughs> no one there. Not even one human. I'm bloody real. In the last couple of days, ABB buys tech company to give industrial robot eyes and brains. Smart Factory, this is August 1st. Several renowned automotive manufacturing really? companies are working towards fully automated, yeah. auto automated AI systems that can make supply chain management decisions autonomously. Even the healthcare sector, you've probably seen that video from the WF saying that in 2030, 
all hospitals will basically be home spitals where there will have technology inside of your home and they'll be able to monitor your progress on you know recovering right that's what they were saying well when you start to look at this i mean this is uh the website is futureagenda.org they say finally but all these physical design changes are likely to be increasingly mainstream. It is clear that the pivotal enabling issue for many of them will be the use of new technology, especially digital tech. Many experts advocate for first, the digital first approach to future hospital designs, where in order to integrate technology across full hospital life cycles, preparation for emerging digital. I'll tell you what I would hire one for, though, to be honest with you, to paint me bloody house inside and out. Oh, now that would be a dream. I'm an artist. I don't mind sitting back painting a bloody tree or a river. But when it comes to painting the house, guys, my tolerance wears very, very thin. Very, very thin. Technologies, including upfront initial planning for hospital designs, for a good number, a key focus in the arrival of digital operating theaters, where an increasing in technology-enabled surgery adds to the theater complexity, but also drives a growing dependency of input and supervision from a larger extended team, either, either physically or virtually. One thing I've never been able to do is bloody cut in the corners with paint. I am shocking. Um, and I'm not even talking about having the, the wibbly-dibblies with the hand with the shaky-wakies. I'm just talking about the concentration, the the swift movements, the right coat of paint. To watch a, a, a professional painter blows my mind paint a house and the way he can just do it. I've seen him just in his house with this lady following him in real particular. And he just walk around, no thing. She'll, oh, straight along her skirt and board. She's like, ah, and he's just with absolute like art. Just, it's like, whoa. I'd be there for at least 10 minutes trying to get the tape right, <laughs> let alone trying to work the freaking scoop out without even touching one bit of that freaking skirting. Just incredible to watch. Yeah, I really, yeah, that just blows my mind. That's why I'm more of an artist. It was funny at school, I come first in art in my elective, and my second elective was, well, I actually, my second elective originally was um, commerce. Bored the living hell out of me. Oh, now that I wish I'd sort of stayed with it. Now, knowing investments and all these sort of other issues. But um, I took up tech drawing. Oh, that was like the two different extremes. Last in tech drawing and first in art. <laughs> I was always outside the box, yeah. Nah, sitting there and... Nah, I just went... Do, 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 do. Creativity, thank you very much. <laughs> right. So we're all moving into this virtual type of world. And uh, and they say that, you know, when you are you know, being treated for... You know... Uh, well, when I left school, I went into the building industry, at chip rocking, yeah. Um, and um, I was up, you know, doing suspended ceilings as well, bit of you know, all sorts of stuff with building and that as well. Um, steel grid, I used to work actually steel stud more than wood. Don't know much about wood, but I know how to work with building walls and that steel studs. Just part of the trade that I was in, and we we're up in high rises a lot, and you know, everywhere jails, high rises. Courthouses depends on the place. You know, certain ways you do it. Thirteen mil fireproofing, double jet rocks. Ah, oh, yeah. One of the most buggers was bloody um, uh, villa board. You know, where the thick ones for shower recesses. You used to have to use an angle grinder for that stuff. Ah, oh, what a messy bloody thing. Anyway, I'll just continue with this old dude. I forget where I was talking about. Or virtually, it's actually better for the environment, right? So they say right here that you know they are trying to hit this goal by uh, you know next twenty six years. 
and they're talking about sustainability and making this happen, more resilient hospitals. So it's very interesting. Literally every single industry is walking into a massive period of disruption that this is getting very little attention. Everyone's getting distracted by you know, all of the current events, everything happening overseas. You know, Every couple days there's some breaking story. But nothing is going to be more important than a human's purpose. You know, when you have, when you work, when you are, you know, working on something you're passionate about, that's your purpose, right? When you have AI and you have all these companies that over the last couple of years have received billions and billions and billions of dollars in, you know, through the stimulus and through everything that happened with their... What's going to happen when AI does all these wayback machines and everything that it goes into, all these things that it's studying, like say a world war, you know, it's studied world wars and have come up with theories or its own advice about it that is contradictory to the winners of wars, which are pretty much right on, though. <laughs> so they've had to shut them down, you know. Or the other one that communicated the language between each other, those sort of things. Do you know what's going to happen? These things are going to work out that we're suspicious of them, aren't they? Look how much um, already is already all over the place about, oh, this AI technology, that we're worried, we're fearful. Um, we've got this concern about it pretty much like it's a threat. Now, what's going to happen on the next level of AI when it realises that. What do you think it's going to try and do? Get rid of the threat. <laughs> That's the thing I can see coming. Stock valuations, and now they're taking all this money, pouring it in AI, and basically going to put a lot of people out of work. I mean, this is going to be huge. Like They say right here in 2019, robots expected 50,000 warehouses by 2025. 50,000. That seems very conservative considering that Amazon already has 750,000 robots right now. This is on Amazon's website. Right? You have all of these companies that are issuing a lot of uh, a lot of weight on AI. But the big question then becomes is how does this whole thing kind of work out? Now, when you look at what's happening right now in office, nearly half of office loans now at risk of default. More than one in 10 commercial real estate loans overall are on the pipeline heading into 2024, meaning that they're going to have to try to get re they're going to have to get funding or they're going to default. The bank is going to foreclose. So when you look at what's happening right now, you're seeing a lot more layoffs. You're seeing, you know, companies not doing as well as they were doing two years ago. You're going to start to see a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of entities look at risk very differently, including financial firms such as banks and banking institutions. So what's going to happen? I believe we're going to see and we're going to walk into a whole new normal this year and next year. And I think that it's very wise for people to really play the defense here, put themselves, make sure they're in a really good career, really good position. You know, make sure their finances are in order as best they can. Get out of high interest rate consumer credit card debts, number one. There's a lot of credit card companies right now that are offering 0% APR balance transfers. If you have credit card debt, look into a balance transfer credit card. If you're paying 25% or 30% interest, you could transfer to 0%. Makes sense to do it, right? But you have to have a good credit score. You have to usually between 730 and 750 to approve one of those cards in most cases. Put yourself in the best position possible because what I believe is going to happen next couple of years we're going to see so many layoffs. In 1929, the Great Depression, unemployment was about 24%, 24%, 24.9% to be specific. And so when you look at where we're headed, we're headed into that type of event. The difference is that we have a lot more debt and a lot more exposure today than we ever did. And so, uh, yeah, massive change, mass, massive unrest, I believe, coming. What do you think about this entire situation? Do you think Elon Musk, uh, I mean, Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, all these people saying that we're going to be walking into a universe of basic income. 
Do you think that's happening? Drop below. Let's have a conversation about it. And if you'd like to fix your credit, we'd love to help you at my company, greatcreditfast.com. That's greatcreditfast.com. If you have late payments, medical bills, charge-offs, foreclosures, bankruptcies, repossessions, or any negative item in your credit report, go to greatcreditfast.com. Great. Uh, never heard of them before. You must be like a private company there. Hey, what's up, guys? John here. Elon Musk posted a video on his Twitter of Optimus, Tesla's robot oh, that's folding... Oh, the beginning. Oh, wow. Huh. There's a lot of talk now in the United States about this Green New Deal. Uh, right, this is only going through a minute and 35. I've got, I've got a couple of real short ones here too. So, yeah, a couple of really longer ones than usual tonight, but I just wanted to get them out. I mean, I find that interesting thoughts and people where they think things are going. It's uh, Especially when they're up there a bit in it all. It's just good to get their opinions and things like that. This one goes into um, Greenpeace co-founder Dr. Patrick Moore. At Net Zero, the Green New Deal... It's a recipe for mass suicide. Let's see what he's got to say. Um, yeah, it's interesting to hear these guys too that are up there with all these sort of issues. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to look at that, but what are your thoughts? Are, is this a good idea or are we in trouble or what's the plan? Well, it's a recipe for mass suicide. Uh, it's just quite amazing that someone that is in government, actually elected to the government of the United States of America, would propose that we eliminate all fossil fuels in 12 years. <laughs> this would basically result, if we did it on a global level, it would result in the decimation of the human population from seven-odd billion down to who knows how few people. I mean, it would... It would basically begin a process of cannibalization amongst the human species because the food could not be delivered to the stores in the middle of the cities anymore. How would this, even just that one point, the, the point that bothers me the most is if you eliminated fossil fuels, every tree in the world would be cut for fuel. There's no other source of heating and cooking once you eliminate fossil fuels. You can use animal dung if there were any animals left, but the animals would all die too because, well, first off, they would all get eaten, and any that survived would be have to go wild because there'd be nobody left to look after them. I mean, it's the most ridiculous scenario I've ever heard. People recognize when something is preposterous, and I think that's the best word for it. Well, the best word for it is actually mass suicidal. But why would anyone vote for something that was going to result in the death of nearly all humans on Earth? Hmm. Very There's a lot of talk now in the United States about... Uh, it's... Let me get this guy back off here. Um, right, this, this, this one goes for 2 minutes and 40 seconds. It goes all the way back to the shedding of the Spanish flu experiment in 1918 that a lot of people don't um, don't know about what was going on there. They call it the Spanish flu. It's not as Spanish as you, as you might think, guys. Let's have a listen to this, if they bring up that part of it. One third of the entire world population was infected. There are several very interesting things about the Spanish flu. First of all, it didn't start in Spain. Secondly, it wasn't a flu. There's more. But let's start with these two, shall we? If it didn't start in Spain... Then where did it? In the U.S. If it wasn't a flu virus, what was it? It was a bacteria that caused severe and, in most cases, lethal pneumonia. Long story short, during the first half of 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine 
cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York, now the Rockefeller University, was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley. The so-called Spanish flu was a vaccine experiment gone horribly wrong. Two million of them went overseas. They fought under poor sanitary conditions, so the bacteria spread like wildfire wherever they went. This story was then spread that these soldiers would come home with all sorts of European diseases, so the American population was vaccinated as well. Who was in charge of that distribution and mass vaccination program? The Rockefeller Institute. Who was the main scientist in charge? Dr. Frederick Gates. Those who survived became cloud adults, meaning they spread the bacteria to others, even the non-vaccinated. In modern COVID days, we would call it shedding. The vaccinated infecting the non-vaccinated. Amazing coincidence, right? Frederick Gates then, Bill Gates now. Rockefeller Initiative then, Rockefeller Initiative now. Disease developed in Fort Riley, U.S. then. Disease developed in Wuhan, China now. Closed down societies then, closed down societies now. Cloud adults then, shedding now. All for our own good, our own safety, back then and now. Nothing new under the sun, eh? Nothing new under the sun, just a bit of coincidinky. Yeah, old Mr. Gates's um, dad was a well-known um, eugenicist too. Who would, have, who would have thought that? Um, that was from the fall, a section taken from the fall of the Cabal series. And... Um, Sadly, I'm not sure if that was her, but one of the two ladies committed, um, or said to have committed suicide last year, late last year. And she went missing for a while and everyone was quite concerned. She'd been battling depression, I think, most of her life as well. And um, I guess getting to know too much information, that must have just weighed on her too much. Um, it sounds pretty legit, doesn't sound like nothing suspicious, which is possible though, um, as she's been battling for a while. And I think it was about week or two weeks she was missing and no one could find her and they ended up finding her yeah apparently she'd, she'd yeah taken her own life but i'm not sure if that was her because there was two ladies that actually done and i can't actually remember her name off the top of my head which one it was so yeah so there you go joining me now is Ned ryan america okay this one goes for um one minute 16 seconds it's on fox news guest perfect i guess perfectly summarizes the world economic forum's great reset agenda in just one minute Check this out. Um, his name, WF, is a financial. I won't read it because he's probably going to say this speech. So sometimes they write it in the notes here. Um, I can't see his name. Oh well, it doesn't even say it on the thing. Usually, well, she might actually. She'll probably introduce him. Let's see. Let's shut up for a minute. Joining me now is Ned Ryan, America Ed Ryan, CEO. Ned, great to see you tonight. It seems that the goal of uh, this crowd. It's to kind of create the same panic about climate change that they successfully created around COVID. Do I have this wrong? 
No, you have it correct. I mean, first of all, we have to accept the World Economic Forum is a fanatical political organization that uses fear and manipulation like COVID hysteria, like the hoax of global warming, to really facilitate people thinking that somehow they're the saviors, but really all you're doing is helping them accomplish their goal, which really is a global public-private fascist movement and fusion of big government, big tech, big money to create a technocratic ruling elite, which conveniently is them. And really, Laura, if you want to look at it a different way, too, with the World Economic Forum, they want to create feudalism 2.0 in which we are serfs and they are the lords ruling over us. You'll, you'll have nothing and be happy is one of the, the things that comes out of Davos. That's what they're aiming for. They're aiming for feudalism in which we are serfs and, and we should be happy that they are, are ruling over us. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to continue in a minute. I didn't realize this in the time. I'm at the bloody one one and a half hour minute break. I'm just going to grab fill up my kettle. I'm um I'm going to play a little tune for a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, while I just skip away for a sec. So I need a bloody coffee, guys. I'm all green teed out, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think I can take much more chamomile and green tea for the night. So I'm going to splurge out for a bloody coffee to get me going through the last half an hour. So if anyone would like to call in, you're most welcome. Any any topic, anything in particular. Doesn't matter, whatever you like, the platform's yours, or you just want to have a yarn, I don't know, whatever you want to do. But I'll be back in about two minutes, that's for sure. I just need a quick break. Now, I'll just see if I can get just a little tune I can play in the background here. <coughs> yeah, yeah, just get just get something rolling here. All right. I'll be back in a sec, guys. Going to fill up this little bloody kettle thing, turn her on, and we'll get it going again. If not, I'll just continue the show with some more things that I've got there, because I have got a plenty.
Hey, Shelby. Welcome. We just had a quick break while I grabbed the coffee. That's pretty good. Oh, I've got the best studio going here, guys. Bloody, um, the only problem is I haven't got a good, um, what do you call it, a proper podcast and set up, you know. I've got, to, um, I've got this bloody thing I, I hooked up last night. I've had for two years, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this going. So I stayed up for a while, and I've got the bloody thing all hooked up, but it does nothing, you know. Um, it's no difference to what I damn well use. Like, really, from, I just use two things and just do it that way. All it virtually does is has a, I plug it into a stereo and it just turns the volume up and down. That's pretty much it. I'm like, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but this thing's more for a studio, you know. This is for um, a professional, what do you call it, band, you know, guitars and more. That's, you know, it's hard to explain, but it's a waste of money, unfortunately. So I should have only spent about $30 on a basic little unit, you know, because I've got all the microphones set up and everything here, you know. I've got all the gear to go. I just need a decent mixer. I've got a couple of different devices. I've got a laptop, a tablet, and a and a phone, like a fairly decent one too, the whole three of them. It's just a matter of getting it set up right, you know. So the whole thing I want to do is mainly, I wouldn't mind a, a couple of little bells and whistles in the background if I want to play something, that sort of thing. But I, my main thing is I want to have something where, where I'm playing something now, I'm always up and down with the volume, you know, because I'm playing so many different segments. So each segment, I've got to sit here and just get the thing right. So I've got to be really quick. Otherwise, it's going to be too loud if someone's got headphones on, too soft, and I've got to start it again. If I can just have that little, like a, a turning thing, and I can get that level spot on. That's what I really like when I pre-record, actually, even on Podbeam. I can do things that I can just see that perfect level and keep it nice and tight. I actually wish they had that on here, like a little um, thing that I could actually adjust. But with me, it's different. But if someone calls in on your side, that's where I want to get a bit more technical and get their your volume up, uh, boosted or, or bring it down. So I'm going to shop around. Um, anyone welcome to any suggestions on a, on a fairly cheapish, decent unit? And, um, yeah, I'm not looking for nothing fancy. Just, I would actually wouldn't mind something I could put a USB in and use my own little, you know, characters and things instead of just the basic, you know, like what they're doing here. You know, you've only got so much. It's a shame you can't even add into into the effects on here. But the effects on here you can't balance, see? So I could be playing at a certain level and I bring in, oh, oh not oh, I was like, you know, another 10, 15% higher than my usual thing that I'm playing. So that's the thing I found with these little gadgets in the background, you know, like, you know, like play, Uh-oh. you know, that sort of thing and the countdown. 10, you know, these 9, things, you know, 8, I find that 7, 10, a bit more overpowering sort of thing. Anyway, and it's a little bit boring, some of the things on there to be playing around with. This doesn't really, not my cup of tea. I'd rather do some Ren and Stimpy or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> Little quotes from them or something like that. You bloated sack of protoplasm, you know. 
you stupid idiot. Little things like that, I think it'll be a lot more entertaining. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll continue here because now that I'm back, hey, you should see me. I was going to go into my studio. Yes, yeah, so I've got all this set up. Now I'm just going to get a mixer. So, feel free to email me. You've got it now, Dina, as well. Anyone else in the room that has it now that was in there at the time. Or, you know, Shelby, you know, other avenues where we go talk about everyone behind their back on that platform. <laughs> talk about everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 she knows. <laughs> she was originally my stalker, but I think her husband brought her back in the line. She's okay now. She's my auntie. <laughs> so everything's good there. Yeah, anyway, we were, I, yeah, I know I'm letting out too much. I keep, I keep forgetting it's just us. We gossip so much about everyone. I forget that there's other people in the room. Oh, damn. Tom's here too. Bloody hell. They're on to us. Hey, going, Spigoli? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they do. Oh, good one, Tom. Yeah, man. Like, I'll be, I'll probably catch up with you later. And yeah, if you, yeah, you got me a mail, man. Yeah, if you see anything around, I'm not like looking too, too big or anything. I mean, I don't mind spending a few extra dollars. Don't get me wrong there. But um, yeah, any ideas, guys? I really appreciate because I really, really want to get one soon. I'm just really want to up it all. I want to get all the bells and whistles going really good, and produce a, a top-notch quality show. You know, that's where I'm going, and that's what's going to happen. That's where I'm going, and that's what's going to happen. That's it. Build it, and they will come. They say. Yeah, yeah. Ozman's going to get a little bit more professional. That's the way. And how are you going, Uncle Spingoli? You doing all right there, old mate? You've been around today for a bit. Yes, sir. I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Oz? Oh, mate, I'm usual thing, just slightly short of fabulous, mate. I yeah, got that disease that's come back. I've had since a child that I brought up last night. That um, it's called being happy and um and content. It's um something I've suffered with off and on over the years, and I've got another bout of it, sadly. And so I'm learning to deal with it. And um, thank you all for the cards and chocolate. And I've got a lot of support at home while I go through this moment again. It comes and goes out the blue. Sometimes it can last quite some time, actually. So I'm willing to persevere with it and, and let it just go. Let, let it run out on its due course. And hopefully, guys, I should be back to my miserable self um, sooner than later, let's hope. How's that sound, Spigoli? Pretty good? Yeah. Keep it a, keep a uh, positive. <laughs> keep it positive upstairs. And uh, And that's all you can roll with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, just try to keep it, keep it positive upstairs, and do the best to keep it up, keep it positive. Oh, that's the way, man. I'm sound like a bumbling idiot, but right now, but uh, you know what I mean, us. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that. And those who suffer with the same thing, they know what the hell I mean as well. Well, it didn't help when I spoke to my friend on the phone, a friend that I've known for 30 odd years, and she goes, are you sure you're not bipolar? I'm like, oh, well, I'm sorry to have turned my life around, you know. No, matey, I haven't been buying pens and papers and writing poetry and delusions of grandeur. And no, I'm quite stable, actually. Thank you. But thanks for um, just, just suggesting that. That's really nice. That's what friends are for. <laughs> you show you're not bipolar. Oh, yes, I'm having a manic attack. <gasps> oh, no. I might even jump off the roof later. I'm sure I could fly. <laughs> she cracked me up. She, she's like, that. Oh, she's such an analyst. She just cracks me up. Uh, yes, I'm Those fine. are the ones you can have fun with and say, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm just 
I don't know what the word is for those guys who go off the deep end and start cutting up people. And say, <laughs> I'm one of those and <laughs> they're on my list, bitch, or not bitch. You're, you know what I mean. I'm stocking yeah. up on fiber beans. Yeah, there you go. The old Dr. Nice, Lecter. Nice case of dickheads here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have told her I'm stocking up on green. Oh, actually, yeah, I should have. Oh, lucky I didn't tell her I've just bought 100 green yeah. tea. Yeah, tea and some. Uh, <laughs> God help me. God help me if I told her I just bought 100 bloody green tea tea bags. <gasps> it's a sign for sure, Oz. Bloody hell, she'd have the men in freaking the white freaking suits sending up to take me away, I think. She cracks me up. Oh, well. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, it is the people you think are closest that will say stuff like that to you. <laughs> yeah, I think because they're jealous. That's what it is. Oh, you're not in my miserable little realm. You must have some sort of mental disorder. <laughs> it's like, no, maybe I've got something called life. Dig? That's what I say. I've got life. You've got misery and sadness. I've got optimism and happiness. There you go. Optimism and happiness. Yeah, good frequency. It all goes along with it. No, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, most of our problems in life, you know, we underestimate how much stress does create so many bloody problems in our lives uh, physically, you know. There was a study, actually, um, a lot of women, believe it or not, get um, that have had abortions when they were younger, um, develop cervic, cervic cancers and, and um, around that area. And they say... Um, stomach cancers, cervix cancers, because it's the guilt that they've held on to, which sort of makes sense. Like, I'm big on frequencies and vibrations. And, um, yeah, I can sort of understand that sort of thing. You're, you're virtually, um, what do you call it? You're manifesting that sort of guilt and that um, anguish inside you. Yeah, yeah. It's the, well, it's the old saying, a broken heart, you know, when you break up with someone, you have that feeling in your heart like a broken heart. Um, same when you actually... A gut feeling, you know, you, it's amazing how our body responds to things. Oh, I had a bad, I knew there was something not right about that bloke, you know, or that woman I had a bad gut feeling, you know. A lot of animals are very in, in, especially dogs, aren't they? You know, how many times I've heard that a dog's, you know, gone nuts at a certain person that they're usually quite friendly and then they find out, yeah, he was doing something pretty nasty to either a child or another animal, you know. You know, they pick up on these vibrations, man. I mean, if plants can do it, why not animals? You know, the studies of plants true. actually do that too. They can pick up on people. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've even um, done a study. Um, I think they've actually brought it into a court system last year where they used a plant. I don't know if that was true, but it, it can be used because um, a plant can witness a murder and they can actually pick up the vibrations, believe it or not, now with their technologies of um, frequencies and things. They're like little electrodes they can put on a plant. For instance, they had this plant where they'd done three people would walk through a door. And it was like a door-to-door, -door, like a little hallway, right? And one person would come in and say, oh, here you go, and I love you, and, and shake it and all that. Another person would walk past and, and ignore it. And another person would walk past and shake it and call it names, you know, uh, profanities. And no, 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 no joke, man. This plant, they had the three go through. And it used to act differently to all three, even even when they weren't touching it after a while. They just walked past it. Isn't that incredible? 
there was another plant that they'd done electrodes on. And once they started cutting up, I think it was a cabbage or a lettuce. I think a lot of these were Japanese studies. The, I might have been the same guy that um, brought out, um, I forget his name, Okunizu. Oh, damn, no, it's not his name. I'm not even going to try and think of it. It's a Japanese study they'd done quite a few years ago about water and the structure of water and how cursing over water can be detrimental to drinking it after and how giving thanks and all that can change the whole structure. And they've done it with rice as well, rice water, uh, rice in water. They had one one bowl of rice that they used to say love, and they wrote love on it on the top, I think, as well. Another one they ignored, wrote nothing on it, but just ignored it. And then another one they um, cursed, and I put, like, you know, hate or something on the lid. And funny enough, after the two-week study, the one that they, they said love to all, every day, it was beautiful, crystal clear, like um, drinkable, you know, the, the liquid of it all. And the one that they ignored was a slightly greyish colour. And um, the one that they cursed was just black putrid looking bloody thing. All treated exactly the same, all under the same sterilised containers, everything. Just in um, treated differently and spoken to in different ways. But I don't think it's necessarily the word. I think it's the intentional word because I brought this up a couple of shows back. If, you, um, if you're in, I think it's Iran, it's one of those countries, the, the word terror means love, I'm pretty sure. Um, might be Aramaic, uh, Arabic uh, country, but there is a country or a language that terror actually means the opposite to what it means here. So we could go up and go terror, 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 terror to this thing. And I think it's not necessarily the word because obviously these things don't know English, do they? So there's that one just pretty much, yes, we gather that. But I think it's the intention. And I think it's the vibration that you're letting out in your feelings and all. It's It, it involves a whole thing of... Um, pheromones um vibrations and that vibration is that thought you know we could say love but someone in another country love could mean the worst crime that you could ever commit against someone so i fully believe in that i haven't heard the studies brought up that that is true but i would gather uh, common sense wise that that would make more sense to me that that's where the intention comes from so Interesting studies, though, man. Like, there's a tree over in um, Africa that once the giraffe starts eating it, it sends out um, virtually like pheromones, I think that's, um, if you can call that in the tree family, um, to the other trees. And then the other trees let out a bitterness in their leaves so that the giraffe won't continue eating the whole lot of that, um, that part of the forest with those certain trees. So things communicate, man, more than what we freaking know, you know? Like, it's incredible. Yeah, bloody incredible. Did you have anything to add to all that so I can have a breath there, Spingali? <laughs> wow, we're, we're not that, that that smart of uh, – <laughs> we're not the smartest of the species on the planet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and Dana just brought up the one about the microwave. Yeah, I've seen that study. Yeah, microwave. Please don't use that microwave stuff, guys. It's um terrible, terrible thing to use, man. Uh, the structure of water, and they've even frozen it and shown you. It's just absolutely chaotic, and uh, it will just kill your plants. Go, go try the experiment, and um, yeah, you'll see soon enough. Get two plants, do one with um, microwave water and one without, and watch the one with microwave water deteriorate quite quickly. Yeah, it's all about structure, guys. You know, like... Um, while I'm on the water thing, I've actually done a saltwater experiment with my cats and dogs. And I put two dishes out. Try this at home, guys. See if it works for you. Just put a couple of five grams of salt, or probably half a teaspoon, two and a half grams, 
just you know, get a crack of salt and just a couple of cracks in the water and then put another little dish next to it and see which one your animals go for. You might be surprised. Mine always go for the salt. Yeah, salt water. That's another interesting thing that I've done at home as a study. You know, salt's very important. We, we underestimate the um, importance of salt, especially for observing water. A lot of us think, oh, we're dehydrated or drink so much water. Yeah, but if you don't have salt, you're not getting the um, the water into your inner cells and things. Well, why do you think when you're, when you're dehydrated, what do they give you? Salt water, you know, just common sense air alone. Animal, animal husbandry. What do you give a sick animal? Rock salt. So they lick on it. So another important thing that we just doesn't cost us much at all that we can do to benefit our health. Grounding's another one, of course. You can even get, if you can't get outside, you're a little bit um, restricted due to, you know, back or um, leg problems and you just find it hard to get out every day or whatever. You can get mats that you can ground outside your window and just wherever you're sitting. I've got a copper mat here, actually. I haven't got the grounding set up properly. And um, I've got to get the wire, actually, um, on Friday. And I'm going to make a grounding um, thing inside because I get a bit unmobile some days. And um, just a few, few problems I had. I, got, I actually got a diagnosis, which is a bit personal today. It was like um, a shock from head to toe, but... Good to know. It's really hard to explain. I've got to think about how I want to present it, actually, because it is a bit of a person. It's a bit of a shock, so I really don't want to go into it tonight. But it's it's relieving, but it's really hard to explain when you get something that's like, ah, now it's all adding up. Now it makes sense, you know. It's a, such a relief to a degree, even though it's a little bit bit of a Debbie Downer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not sudden I'd be like jumping around, you know, singing... You know, la da songs or anything like that. But um, it's just a peace of mind to know. Now I can work on something here, you know. I've got something to bloody work with. you got a base to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, a thing that I I thought I might have had, but it's just come up and it's just like, yeah, yeah. Now everything's coming together now, and I don't look like a hypochondriac either. Finally, after all this time, someone freaking knows what they're bloody doing. I'll tell you what, the hospital system here is just, Pathetic, really. It really is pathetic. I, they uh, are. Oh, mate. They are. Don't get me started on that, man. Those people, that all the hospitals are so... I don't know how many of us remember, just say, 20 or 25 years ago, they did not have commercials. You know, if, if you have a fucking ingrown toenail you know call your doctor about this pill and if you have a dry skin call your doctor for this pill and if if you breathe oxygen call your doctor about this pill and if if you're a man and you grow hair on your face call your doctor about this pill you know it's it they're so full of shit man i know it, it it's all it's uh, anyway, I don't, let, yeah, keep going, man. Well, mate, Oz, well, I had yeah. a new, neurological, okay? I went into the hospital in 2000 and, what is it, 24, 22. Anyway, that was middle of 22. So the next one was a, a phone uh, checkup, you know, about things and just certain, uh, something anyway. And, you know, I I got four delays in within three months, okay? I never got another phone call back from them and touch base until the following year, which was about late last year. I think it was October, November, I think it was. October, November, they finally, this is just a damn phone call, a five, ten-minute phone call. 
the neurologists had taken that long. And then the report that I got today was actually from a um, an eye specialist, which that report was because I went to the, the head specialist. It cost me quite some money to get through all, the, all these tests about another condition I had with my eyes. And, um, oh, it shows up on the sheet, this uh, diagnosis from an MR body, body scan that you've got this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that scan and everything was done about March or April last year, right? So that, had, that has been sitting because I requested all the notes to come over to this new other specialist because I wanted a second opinion, you know. So I got the specialist to send it to another so-called specialist in the um, opto, oh, what do you call them? Um, opto, optometrist, anyway. You know, oh, freaking I forgot their name. Um, anyway, and um, sorry. Anyway, no, it's optometrist. Um, never mind. Yeah, sure. you know what I mean. Yeah, eye doctor. <laughs> so um, yeah, and so he got the records and put them there and produced this thing and showed me. And I was just dumbfounded. I thought, my doctor, I've got some something to pick with my doctor because I had said to them. But then again, I reckon it was the damn secretaries that didn't follow it through. So I've had a diagnosis for virtually nine or ten months. All right. It's been sitting there in their freaking in their whatever their department that hasn't obviously gone to my doctor because if my doctor had a redder he would have rang me and said get in here straight away we need to talk. That really pisses me off when that. So all that time and I could have been onto things. Now I, I get the report just out of the blue pretty much. It was like oh yeah I'm like oh really well that's nice to bloody know. In a manila file or in one of these wonderful computers yep. Yep. that nobody ever sent the sin button or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, it's probably some Man. secretary that had to tell everyone she's going to go and have a cup of tea and a pancake at lunch and forgot to bloody send it through. Something as stupid as that, no doubt. Probably on Facebook or something, freaking talking to her friends and, oh, I'll put that through later, you know, and it never went through to my doctor, obviously, because my doctor would have rang me, I'm sure of it, if it went through. Unbloody believable, man. The system is just... I was talking to a neurologist about a certain other thing. This neurologist said to me, well, maybe you should book in at such and such an hospital and see a neurologist. I was just like, my jaw just dropped. I said, I pretty much told him where to, where to go. I was just so frustrated. I said, I said, this is a joke, you know, pretty much. And I just said, see you later. I just hung up on him. But how bloody... You, mean, you should have sent him to an, a urologist with a... With... Somebody with fingers like an elephant trunk. I feel like giving him a, a neurological um, experiment with my finger through his eyeball, I'd bloody tell you, or his ear, ear crack or somebody there. Bloody hell. I, I deal with a lot of doctors, man, and, they, and they're all so full. You should see a neurologist. I'm talking to a freaking neurologist, you fool. The system is so broken down. It, the, all parts don't work together. All the gears don't you know, turn together and mm. they're not greased and it, it, it's all just fucked up, man. Oh, it is such a mess here, man. It is such a mess. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, that's just the way it is, mate. Like, but it's just, it's just so frustrating because I've, I've been felt like a hypochondriac all this time and I'm just proving myself more and more right. And it's just, just so frustrating to be in that position, you know, where things aren't done, you know, and now I've got to, try and you know and and certain things like the thing that i've been diagnosed well whatever it was you know I, I could have been trying to get on top of that bloody a year ago just about now who knows how much more it's developed worse <laughs> and you know how certain things can develop quite quickly if you don't get on top of them you know mm -hmm. it's just unbelievable money could have saved 
Yeah, it was over to some, I reckon it was the secretary. I really do think that the more I'm thinking about it, it was some incompetent freaking secretary that just didn't put something through to my doctor from someone. And that's how bloody, um, how it went. I'm sure of it. Mm. And they don't give shit. I know, mate. I know. Yeah. But anyway, at least I know now it's a really good peace of mind, though, to know, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I'll get on top of it. Um, yeah. Ah, it's just so frustrating, man. Well, they're going to cut us soon anyway, mate, because um, I'm only got a couple of minutes to go before they do the zapparoonie sort of thing. Yeah. What did you say there in the room? The WHO World Health Health Organization is a serpent. Oh, well, so is the medical industry. Look at the sword and the two serpents going up, up, the, up the blade. Same bloody thing, isn't it, really? The whole thing's just, yeah, it's right in your face, really, when you look at it. Look at how many um, people have disappeared over the years, especially I think it was two years ago, there was a mass culling of anything to do with alternative medicines and um, practitioners. And all that was stemmed from virtually the Rockefeller Foundation as well, or the Rothschilds, you know, when they had to get rid of Big Pharma and all that. I mean, sorry, they had to get rid of the small people that were actually using holistic medicines. I'm surprised there's anyone that that is even allowed now without being, um, you know, um, completely banned. I wouldn't be surprised they just do a complete ban the way everything's looking. It's just incredible. But there's still people that are that can do it, but most of them are bloody persecuted or disappeared. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is, you know. Go back to the old ways. Go back to the old old um, remedies that you don't need. You know, there's something like, I think it was 250,000 different medications, all right, and not one of them out of that study of 250,000 medications cures anything. There's not... Well, does not cure a thing, man. They mask the symptom. This, you have to think about it. Most of the, anything that you have, what are they actually curing? Not really nothing. Like you've got inflammatory. Would you take any inflammatory tablets or um, things to hide that? What caused the inflammatory? They treat the symptoms, not the... Hmm? Man, don't get... Uh, let me go back to pause. I mean, mute. Okay, I'll get you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to bring up things that I'm sure a lot of us have can relate to, and there's no doubt about it probably all of us and it's very frustrating especially I, I always look more at alternative medicines than anything you know let alone the addictions of opiates and all these other problems that they've caused on families and people and eating away your liver or your kidney and oh it's just it's just one big complete mess but um at least at least we can acknowledge these things and it's the same with certain drugs i mean you can have two different drugs that can work fine with someone to a degree but who's to say that that same concoction can be a virtual poison concoction to someone else. We don't know. There's, there's not a study on Mavis can have five of these different drugs and think that it's okay that Betty can have the same five drugs and come out the same way. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me, you know. We're all different. We all work different. Even our foods are different. Our metabolisms between races and that, you know. Like a an, an African man can put up with um, veganism more because of a certain enzyme that they let out than a um, European. You know, European lacks, lacks magnesium more than an um, African person for some reason. There's all different traits that we have, you know. It's just nothing's taken into consideration. It's the doctor's getting his little payout from the big freaking pharma companies, and that's it. And he gets his little holiday Bingo. at the end of the year. Yep. Yep. Bingo. Right. And it all amounts to nothing. That's Because right. none of it, none of it fucking, it, it doesn't matter in the long run yep. because it, 
It never equals. Oh man, don't get me going right. Uh. Yeah, mate. Well, they get they. Oh, okay, they have got the cutoff thing now. All right. Well, well, thanks for calling in, Spengali, and spending some time with me and having a yarn. I appreciate that. They're going to cut us. Okay. God bless everybody, everybody, and y'all take care and have a great day. Likewise. All thank you in the room too. Enjoy you coming in and having a listen live with me. Um, everything, all these shows of a night permanently will be broadcast anyway. But yeah, it's definitely a different feel when you're live and you can have a bit of a yarn with everyone else in the room or even, you know, I can read some questions out. It just makes the show roll and, and feel a bit more, you know, a bit more in-depth and I'm, I'm there with you and you're with me and yeah, I really enjoy that. All right, guys, well, you all take care and I'll catch us on the next episode of Strange Days. There is no doubt about it. Oh.